My name is Kurt, and I'm also one of the pastors here. A special welcome to you if you're visiting with us. We'd encourage you, don't rush off too quickly to get on to the other Easter celebrations this morning. We'd love to greet you and find out a little bit more about who you are. Uh, holidays are fun times because you get a lot of uh, people who come to church with family, and uh, we're here to celebrate together. But it can also be confusing times a little bit because you have this mixture in our culture of a variety of different things. And so you have uh, on Easter the cross, and the tomb and the boulder that gets rolled away and we have bunnies and Easter eggs and uh, all kinds of candies. And, and, and today I want to talk a little bit about the Easter story and how do we enter into this story for us so that it isn't just a, a story of ancient times that we remember once a year and we say, yeah, we remember that story, but, but it is a part of the, the story that God wants us to be weaving into our lives so that it becomes a, a, a part of the meaning and the value for us as Christians. Holidays are fun times too. A, a quick Easter joke, uh, what do you call a line of rabbits moving backwards? A receding hairline. Now, I can tell that joke because my hairline isn't receding. It's in full retreat, but you know. (laughs) There are three fools who died and went to heaven and met St. Peter at the pearly gates. And St. Peter tells them that they can enter the gates if they can answer one question. And St. Peter asked the first fool, what is Easter? And the first one was, oh, that's easy. That's that time when we, everybody gets together and we, we bake the, the turkey and we have all this food and everybody's thankful. Oh, Peter shakes his head. He goes, no, that's not it. The second fool goes, oh, oh, oh I know, I know. It's that, it's that time when we get together and we, we have a feast and we put up a tree and we exchange gifts and we celebrate Jesus' birthday. Peter goes, oh, my goodness, no, that is wrong as well. The third fool says, oh, 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 I know. Peter's at this point going, yeah, right. Tell me. And he says, Easter's that Christian holiday that coincides with the Jewish celebration of Passover. Jesus and his disciples were eating at the Last Supper, and Jesus was later betrayed and turned over to the Romans by one of his own disciples. The Romans took him to be crucified and made him to wear a crown of thorns. And then he was hung on a cross with nails in his hands and his feet. And he was pierced in his side and he died. And later he was placed into a a tomb that was sealed with a large boulder. And Peter's going, oh my goodness, this guy's getting it right. And just as he was starting to say, you've got it right, he said, and then every year the boulders were moved aside and Jesus can come out and if he sees his shadow, he, we know there will be six more <laughs> weeks of winter. The third fool got it mostly right, right? Right up until the end part there. But what we know from the Bible is that instead of the boulder being moved every year again and again, the boulder was removed one time. For all time. And Jesus did come out of the tomb. Not only is that what Easter is about, but that is essentially what Christianity is all about. That's our our core belief. That's our core hope. That is the anchor for our soul that Jesus did not stay in that tomb, but he stepped out on Sunday morning and he rose from the dead and he is alive today. And because of that, we too can have hope. 
The Bible calls this story the gospel, which simply means the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is the message that Jesus was crucified, but that he rose again from the dead, and that tomb is empty today. And see, God's salvation for us includes not only his death, but his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's through the cross that he achieved forgiveness and reconciliation with God, but it's because of the empty tomb that we can exist in relationship with God today through the power of his spirit. I just want to take a few minutes and look through the story again that Pastor Dick read for us. And and, and here at Faith Covenant Church, we've just completed a series that we call The Story of Faith, where we've been talking about how does God want to take our story and weave it together into his story so that our story becomes more than than it is on our own, but it has deeper meaning and value and purpose. And, And starting next week, if you want to come back, we're going to look into the book of James and start a new series that we're calling Faith Works that's going to go for a number of weeks this spring where we're going to look deeper into the scriptures and find out how does this faith that we have actually go to work? How do we put hands and feet to our faith in really practical ways? But today I'd like to kind of bridge the gap by looking into this story from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. And we saw that that story began with the Marys running to the tomb, right? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were going to the tomb to look for Jesus, Today is Sunday, it's the first day of the week, and we come at Easter to the tomb. We come to this place where Jesus was dead and buried as well. And as we approach the tomb of Jesus today, what is it that we expect to find? What is it that we are looking for as we come to church on Easter this day, amidst the festivities of the holiday with our fuzzy bunnies and our Easter eggs and our sweet candies and festival treats When we come to church, why do we come today? Do we come looking for Jesus who is crucified? And what would happen if we actually met him? As the story goes on in verse 2, it says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Sometimes along the journey of our lives, there's earthquakes as well, aren't there? Sometimes there's small tremors and they just give us an inkling that, ooh, something isn't right in the world. But sometimes they're massive quakes that cause rumbling and shaking and, and the very foundation of our lives to quake. Sometimes it might be financial crises that cause us to fear and wonder if we're going to be able to continue to make it month to month or even to the next day. Or maybe there are health crises where our health is failing and we wonder whether God has the ability to bring healing and wholeness to our lives or maybe it's to a loved one. Or our relationships are in crisis and week after week, month after month, sometimes even year after year, we long for and hope for some kind of healing and restoration and reconciliation, wondering where is the power of God for my life. Sometimes these crises and these earthquakes happen outside and around us and we look at the circumstances of our lives and we we get fearful and afraid and we wonder where God is. But sometimes we have to admit to ourselves that those earthquakes are on the inside as well. And that we may appear normal to everyone else around us all the while inside we are quaking in our boots and the fault lines and the cracks in our personalities and in our hopefulness for life is, is shaking us to the very core. 
These cracks can begin to appear in the surface of our life and begin to give the lie to the subtle illusion that somehow we think we are in control of these lives that we live. Sometimes, too, I think we can see from this story that it takes an earthquake to get our attention. To wake us up from the stupor that we sometimes find ourselves in, going through this life day after day, week after week, thinking that if we just keep doing the same things, we're going to continue to hopefully get a different result. To shake us out of our complacency and to force us to become more aware of the the true realities of this life and in this world and our need for the power of God to bring a resurrection in our lives again. See, the message of Easter is that we can begin to recognize the power of God at work in our lives, even in the midst of the the shuddering turmoil of earthquakes and tremors when they come, whether we're experiencing them now or we will experience them at some point in the future. The power to roll away the stone that has perhaps sealed off our hearts from our ability to accept and to receive that power of God in our lives again. One scholar has suggested that perhaps the stone for us can represent the fear and the brokenness and the sin of our own lives that blocks us off from being freed from the light and the love that comes through God through Jesus Christ. God through Christ has rolled that stone away and that freedom is available to us. But I think too often we, we not only don't want him to roll that stone away, but we grab onto that stone and we hold on and say no because we're afraid. That if that stone is rolled away and what's really deep down in the core of our hearts is revealed, that we will be so shamed and we'll be so exposed that no one will ever truly understand and that we're really not lovable deep down inside. Author LeVon Brown wrote about how every year thousands of people in Europe climb a mountain in the Italian Alps that passes the stations of the cross on their way to an outdoor crucifix, and they end this journey at the crucifix. And one tourist who took this journey one year noticed a little trail that led off beyond the cross, and he fought through the the crowds, and there was a rough thicket, and this trail was kind of overgrown, and and as he walked through, he he came to a smaller shrine, and, and the shrine symbolized an empty tomb. Only it was neglected and the brush had grown up around it and nobody was visiting it anymore and almost everyone had stopped at the cross and didn't go any further. And he goes on to suggest that far too many of us have gotten to the cross and have known the despair and the heartbreak and the pain that Jesus went through us and we identify with that, but we, have, we haven't gone far enough and moved beyond the cross to the empty tomb and the real message that, that God does not want us to stay in the midst of our darkness and our pain and our despair, but his love and his forgiveness is to give us freedom to, to roll the stone away and to allow the light and his love into our hearts and our lives in a brand new way. What about for you this morning? What would it be that is the stone that Jesus might want to roll away from your heart, from your mind, in your relationship with him this morning? Each of us, I think, could identify what that would be. Some of it might be a a sense of uh, performance and needing to to work over and above, on and on, in order to make ourselves feel like we're good enough in other people's eyes, or that if we don't work hard and sacrifice all of our time for for our career, that that we're not going to either earn enough money or be successful enough in other people's eyes. 
Maybe it's this need to get approval from those around you, and so you sacrifice your own needs and your, your, what's healthy for you over and over again to try and get other people to accept you and to love you in the ways that you want, even though maybe they're not able to love you in a healthy way. And that what you need is you need to allow God to give you a new glimpse of how he cares for you and that you can have your needs met in healthy and appropriate ways, in healthy relationships. What is that that would represent that stone for you? Maybe it's an addiction that you're caught in. Maybe it's alcohol or pornography or something that you use as an escape or something to try and meet the needs that that aren't being met in other places. All the while, God is saying, I'm the one who is designed to meet those deeper longings. And if you allow me, I can roll that stone away and open up a wind of my spirit into your life that will give you freedom and a fresh glimpse of how I have intended for you to live. The challenge is that when God's supernatural message comes to us, we often shrink back in fear or like the the guards, we freeze up because we're so overwhelmed by the fact that maybe, just maybe, this message of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection is true. Just maybe God is real and he's alive and if he is, what does that really mean for me? And, and, And we go back to that dark place of guilt and shame and fear and so we run away from God rather than allowing God's light and his love to bring that newness to our lives. The angel came to the women and said, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see, I'll show you the place where he laid. He's not here, but then go and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him. And now I have told you, don't be afraid, God's message is for you and for me. We can become so overwhelmed by the burdens and the cares and the fears of this life that we allow that perhaps to become the boulder that gets in our way of trusting God and allowing Him to be the master and the controller of our lives. But He is not here. He is not in that dark place. He has risen from the dead and He is going on ahead. He is inviting us to step out of the darkness of our own tombs and to follow Him on this journey as followers of Jesus Christ? Do we understand what it means that Jesus has risen from the dead and he invites us to experience that resurrection power in our lives as well? In 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25, he talked, Paul talks about how the wisdom of God was totally polar opposite to the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world is all about pursuing God through our own effort, through our own performance, by doing all the right things and making us worthy. Or in the, in the words of that old song, it's building a stairway to heaven. But Jesus comes and reveals that we cannot ever hope to achieve heaven through our own effort and building that stairway. Instead, Jesus came and showed us that the true way to heaven is to journey with him to the cross. To simply admit that we have to die to ourselves, to our own egos, to our our own belief that somehow we can manage life on our own. But if we can humble ourselves, then Jesus says, God will lift you up. God will, will reveal his resurrection power because of his love and his mercy and his grace for you. You don't need to earn it on your own. He's already paid the full price. 
All you have to do is receive it and allow God to roll that stone away so that the power of his spirit can begin to flow through your life, making you into the kind of person that God had originally desired and designed you and me to be. Naturally, there's fear in that process because it means us willingly giving up control to God. And that's why it says the the women, when they realized what had happened, it says they, they hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And I love that, that, that combination, afraid, yet filled with joy. So much of life can be fearful, and yet God says, even in the midst of life's trying circumstances, when those earthquakes come and we are afraid, we can still have joy because we have faith and trust that because Jesus is alive, God can handle any of the circumstances that come into our life as well. When we actually meet Jesus face to face, we too cannot help but fall on our knees and worship. Suddenly, it says, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, just as the angel did, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will meet me. See, he encourages them not to be afraid. But our true response to this gift that God has given us through his son Jesus is is not to keep a religious rule system or to somehow keep a, a tally that we're earning our way to heaven. It's to fall on our knees and to recognize that in this man, Jesus, the power and the presence of the living God came, gave his life for you and for me. And he took it back so that we too could believe that his power is the one that can turn our lives around as well. And our simple response is to fall on our knees and worship, say, yes, you are my Lord and my God. Jesus is alive. Jesus is here this morning. Why have you come to church this Easter? What is it that God would invite you to offer to him, to allow him to roll the stone away in your life so that you can experience the fresh power of his resurrection in your life today. My hope and my prayer is that this Easter, we can each discover that power alive and well and working in our lives. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you. That you sent your son Jesus to be not only the sacrifice for our sins, but to show that through his power, we too can experience the resurrection of, of our lives, even in the midst of life's trying circumstances. God, would you give us the courage and the strength to give you permission to roll the stone away from our hearts again this season? Would you reveal to us what it is that we need to give you control over So that again, we not only can worship you, but we can allow you to be the Lord and the master in our lives as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.